Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Carolyn Hauser, who is a German-trained psychotherapist and someone I've been looking forward to speaking to on the show for a while now. How are you, my friend? What is happening in your world today? I am very excited to be here. <laughs> so very good. Yeah, yeah, I've been looking forward to those too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, uh, one of our mutual friends sent over your information to me and they're like, oh, you know, this is a person to be on your show. And, and I'll tell you just forthrightly, I've get so many of those requests every day and 99.9% of them. I'm like, eh, you know, and, and that's no disrespect to anybody. It's just the nature of, you know, the show. And I came across you and I was like, okay, cool. Finally, somebody that I can go into deep conversation around attachment styles, bonding, sex, and all of the things that we don't generally talk about just in society in general, especially in America. Um, and I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. So before we dive in and we go into the crux of all of this, give us a little bit of background. Tell us about your story, your interest in this, what has driven you here, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, my story is a little bit out of the box because I literally remember being up in heaven on the heavenly meadows, maybe as an angel or a light being that I don't remember, and um, just hanging out there and God coming by and saying, hey, we have we have problems on earth. Men and women don't get along. Who can help? And my hand just lifted itself and it gave me a free ticket into my mom's belly. And um, and then, of course, you know, when you when you raise your hand to volunteer and come and help on the earth, it would make a lot of sense that you like I would have been born or that I was born into a family actually that had a lot of baggage, if you will, trauma. So I was born into a family in Germany where eight of my great grandparents, well, four out of my eight great grandparents didn't survive World War Two. So my grandparents, half of them were orphans. And then my parents, right, their parents were hugely traumatized because they grew up without their parents. And then there came I, <laughs> in a sense. And um, I had a really 
pretty good childhood and then started struggling tremendously with myself and my my relationship with food i had eating disorders from the age of 10 till 20 and nothing really helped and my parents tried everything they put me you know to regular therapy they sent me to art therapy they they went to events where there were buddhist monks so that i could get blessed and just nothing nothing helped and then finally like in my early late late oh my late teens early 20s I had kind of like a wake up moment. I I had eaten too much food again. And um, part of how I would make myself um, throw up, basically, I would use a toothbrush and the toothbrush got stuck in my in my throat. And my mom for years would have said, you know, if you don't stop this, if you don't stop this, because she meant well, right? She wanted to kind of like scare me into stopping. She would say, oh, you're going to just end up like Mama Cass and you're just going to, you know, you're just going to end up dead on the bathroom floor. And And in that moment when the toothbrush got stuck, it wasn't funny. You know, now it's maybe funny, but I just, I just thought it was over. And um, a lot of grace happened in that moment also because for some reason, something inside of me shifted and something was more willing than ever to, to find healing. And within a week or so, my mom introduced me to family constellation work, which ended up being kind of the saving grace and it's the modality that I, that I, that I use now. So that's just a part of my story and I'll share maybe a little bit more as we get into it, but that's how I got into the work that I do now, basically. Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Just want to take a moment and invite you to be my guest at Think Unbroken Conference this November. That's right. Think Unbroken is hosting our Unbroken Con for free. It's five days of trauma transformation information with myself, special guests, and even some of the leading experts in trauma education from around the world. For five days, we're going to jump into what it means to actually take the steps to be unbroken. All you have to do is register for free at unbrokencon.com. That's U-N-B-R-O-K-E-N-C-O-N.com. That's right. Five days of trauma transformation information with me, special guests, and some of the world's leading trauma-trained experts for free for five days this November. More details to come, but in the meantime, go to unbrokencon.com to register, and I'll see you there. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I, I think that, unfortunately, as it may be, without those traumatic rock bottom moments, often we do not change. And I'm I'm happy that you survived because that's pretty gnarly. So, so what started happening? So you get into looking at this aspect of life. You say, you know what, something has shift. You start to honor it. Well, what's the journey to getting deep into being like, like to become a psychotherapist, especially German trained psychotherapist, yeah. like, there is work involved, right? Yes. So, so what inspired that and what led you down this path? Yeah, it was actually really funny because I was pretty lost in my early 20s. And so I had a good friend. And after, so I literally just had one family constellation sessions. And within a three months period, the eating disorders just went away. And I met with my friend and we got talking and he's like, how are you? And I'm like, well, I healed myself from the eating disorders. And he's like, I've known you for like a long time and you've struggled with this for a long time. And all of a sudden you've healed yourself. Like, that makes no sense. Like, how did you do this? <laughs> and I hadn't put two and two together. You know, I just thought like, finally, I just healed myself. And I started thinking and backtracking and realizing, oh, I had this, I had this one experience. And ever since then, I've been able to do things that I've never been able to do. And, and then he said, well, if you have found a way to heal yourself, because my, my survival um, statistics were at 5%, my chances of living to be 30 were at 5%. So very, you know, very small chance. 
and 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 because I was so lost and he's like that it's like right in front of you you just have to make this your life's mission I just literally spent my 20s exploring this modality traveling I spend what people spend on a down payment on their house on just healing basically you know and figuring this out and also at the same time I did have this really strong sense of purpose that I that I was here to help myself heal this relationship stuff so that I could have good relationships because my relationships were I mean they they were hell basically for the most part <laughs> and lots of you know roller coaster and all of that and um so it was my own desperation and then my friend just kind of kicking me into it and and just the sense of like this is my purpose yeah. that kept me going yeah I think sometimes you need a friend to kick you in the ass, um, <laughs> you know, to help you drive forward because often the people around us, they see stuff that we don't see. And and I think yeah. that's so incredibly important. And so as you got, you got deeper into this work, what, what started to shift your narrative or at least your interest into talking about things like attachment style, sex, bonding, all of that aspect of the human experience? Yeah, so all my life, I knew that there was something wrong because the eating disorder started at a time in my life where it wasn't obvious what, you know, there was nothing obviously happening. My parents did get divorced when I was 11, but the eating disorder started way before. So it never made sense why they had started um, before then. And so what, what my own story was that I knew of some sexual abuse or I, I consciously remembered sexual abuse in my teenage years, but I didn't remember anything earlier. It just... It just always felt strange that my eating disorders started when they started because, like I said, there was nothing obvious connected to it. So fast forward um, in my late 20s, I had my, my, my first child, my daughter, and um, in my early 30s, she turned three. When she turned three, I started having memories of my own early um, sexual abuse. And so my childhood sexual abuse started when I was three. So with my daughter turning three, these memories started coming back. and um, part of my own at that point I had already done so much healing work you know I'd already worked with clients and it really hit me and came as a like not complete surprise but it, it did take you know it took me out for a summer and and really confused me and um and so that's kind of what what really shifted me in the direction of well I really have to heal this within myself even more and then obviously like just constant trouble with men and relationships and me just feeling like it shouldn't be this hard it should not be this hard to have a peaceful relationship and I should find a way to be peaceful with men and feel safe and and feel safe in you know not just in in sex but all around you know I, I'm now now that I look back I know kind of why I was reactive or um, overreacting and things like that but back then when I was in it you know I just was I was just being me in a sense not knowing that, you know, these, these deeper trauma triggers were still there. Yeah. And, and I think that's super common for people. They don't, they don't recognize it, right. We're so disconnected and disassociated from the the sexual experience. A lot of that because we, we have, and I include myself in that had sexual trauma as a kid and, and some people just because of the vast amounts of abuse, they don't really understand or know how to navigate it. You know, one of the things that really started to change for me, and I don't know if this held true for you in terms of just understanding like the dynamic in dating relationships and and sex was looking at it and understanding attachment styles and mm -hmm. i don't know if that held true for you but it changed everything for me yes for me too and actually you know you would think that i would have come across the attachment styles like way way like long time ago 
um, I came a lot across a lot of other things way before the attachment cells. But when I came across, I think it was um, Amir Levine, Levine's book, uh, it just put all the puzzle, puzzle pieces together. You know, yeah, it, it was a game changer. And it also helped me like finally date in a better way where now, you know, I'm in a stable and secure relationship. And yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally resonate. Define and, and break down the attachment styles for us, because I know people listening probably have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. So attachment styles are connected to survival strategies that we develop as babies. And generally there's three and then a mix out of out of them. And all of us, we kind of like, um, depending on the situation, we're not just purely one or the other. Generally, the, the three major categories are secure, avoidant or anxious. The secure um, attachment style is developed when a baby, when the, when the experience of a baby is, or if you're the baby, when your experience is that you cry or you need something and there's somebody that's tuned in and um, healthy and, and available enough to you to help you figure out what you need and give you a sense of like that you matter. And your experience is just that generally your needs are getting met. And if they're not getting met, you as a baby can make sense of why not, because Maybe you can see that the mom's not available right now or, you know, like there's enough um, context for you to make sense of your world. And so your nervous system and your brain develops in a very relaxed and just, um, yeah, relaxed and healthy way. And as an adult, then you become very resourceful. You're able to use your brain very differently than some of these other attachment styles because your nervous system and your fight or flight are mostly um, at ease in a sense. Then with the anxious and the avoidant attachment style for the anxious baby, the experience is that sometimes the caregiver is there and sometimes not. And, and to backtrack, as a human being, we need at least one or two people, or we call it like a stable base, that's there for us so that we um, can develop correctly. And also, I mean, literally, as babies, you know, we are totally helpless if we don't have that um, because, of, you know, we can't talk, we can't, we can't do anything for ourselves for a long time compared to other like mammals and so forth. So for the anxious baby, the, the caregiver is sometimes there and sometimes not. And what that does to the baby is it, it gets very hypervigilant, meaning that, the, that the attention of the baby is not in itself. It's on this other person and trying to figure out what do I, as a baby have to do to make sure that this person takes care of me. Right. So you always have to kind of be a step ahead it's it's not relaxed it's it's very um you have to be very um diligent. yeah diligent and just your experience is not that it's easy for you to get your needs met the experience is that you constantly have to do something right or else something bad happens kind of a thing and obviously you know it could be that the, the mother or father whoever the caregiver is that they're mentally unstable it could just be that they're in and out of the house because they have to work or there's other children it's not necessary just because there's abuse you know but something causes the that the caregiver not to be present all the time and therefore the baby never knows never knows what it can count on in a sense and so that somebody who goes to that as an experience as a baby their nervous system automatically from the beginning is way more set up in a kind of an alert state, not relaxed, because they're always having to look for this other thing and making sure this other thing is there and they're doing what this other thing wants, you know. So it's, that's where the anxiety kind of comes from. And then with the avoidant baby, um, the avoidant baby's experience is that most of the time, either it's alone and nobody's there to really even be attentive, so an orphan or 
you know, something like or like severe neglect. Um, and because of that, the 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 conclusion, the subconscious conclusion that that baby makes is that the safest way for survival is to not attach at all to anything and to just kind of like be self-attached and do everything by themselves. And in general, you know, American culture kind of idolizes that that attachment style, right? It's like you're almost you're almost raised to be independent and not attached to somebody, which is really not healthy for us because we as human beings and as a species thrive when we're interdependent, when we're healthily connected, right? Not codependent, but healthily connected. So is that helpful? Yeah. And that's really important. And and it is, I mean, think about this. If you live in the United States and you live in a neighborhood or you have a neighbors in an apartment, name three of them. I dare you. You know what I mean? And it's really interesting that we are so disconnected from that aspect of reality. And, and so I thank you for breaking down the attachment styles. I think it's really important. And I think people listening may be like, oh, I think I might fall into this bucket or that bucket, or maybe all three. Are, are there correlations between them? Do, do you find that typically one person is just cut and dry, like, boom, you're this style. And if you are a certain style, are you able to change? Yes. So generally, we all we all can be all of them. Um, generally speaking, men tend to be a little bit more avoidant. Women tend to be more a little bit more on the anxious side. But that's you know, there's also enough men who also have the anxious, and there's enough women who also have the avoidant attachment style. Um, the the beautiful thing about the attachment styles, unlike some other subconscious programs, they they can change, and there's things that we can do as adults that are actually not that hard to to change these attachment styles. And part of it is like just knowing about them and understanding them. And then there's things that we're going to talk about um, that have to do with bonding um, that can actually shift these attachment styles. So and then also, you know, some of us, we might have had a really secure attachment as babies and then something happens in life. So they can change also through trauma later in life that you become more avoidant or more anxious. Yeah. So as you go through it, how do you how do you shift? Because I think people you know, if you're two people in an anxious attachment style, or if you're two people and one of you is avoidant, one of you is anxious, or one of you is secure, and one of you are avoidant, like it, it kind of creates chaos, right? Yeah. So, so what are the things like, let's go into the practicality of this, yeah. because I think it's really important. So what are the things that people can do? Because ultimately, I, I think you would agree, the best case scenario is being in a secured attachment style, right? Relationship, yeah. Yeah. not only with yourself, but with other people. So what, what are the things that people can actually be doing? doing to move towards creating that secure attachment style in their life? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is really understanding which one you are. The, the worst mix is for an avoidant to be with an anxious. Those are the relationships that are just super volatile and very painful and really toxic and not healthy because the, the anxious one always is looking for closeness. And for the avoidant one, closeness is like suffocating because they never had it and so in their subconscious it doesn't feel safe so even though they do want it consciously when they get it subconsciously to do something to create fights or push it away so generally speaking somebody who is very very avoidant has a very hard time um keeping relationships because they'll always find something wrong too basically so that they can disconnect because that's their comfort zone in the subconscious so if you're listening and you are somebody who, you know, goes through relationships and always feels like there's something wrong, most likely that's because you have a predominantly avoidant attachment style. And so for you, it will take a little bit more work 
and I'll, I'll, I'll get into what that word looks like, than for somebody who is um, anxious because there's nothing wrong with us wanting closeness, right? So the, the anxious one maybe wants a little bit too much closeness, but it usually gets triggered by being with an avoidant, if that makes sense. So knowing yourself and knowing what you are, if you're single, ideally, helps you recognize what people are better for you and what not. So that's as an example for me. And there's tests that you can take, free tests on the internet. Um, I have eight scores in secure. I have seven scores in avoid um, anxious and two scores in avoidance. So generally, I'm a very secure person. When I get together with somebody who's avoidant, my anxious goes to the roof, you know. So I had to learn that for me, dating somebody who's avoidant is not a good idea. I had to learn what it looks like to be with somebody or date somebody that's secure. And this is more for the single people. In the dating process, you you realize who you're with by how you feel. Because the tendency with the avoidant person is that they'll start to make you feel bad or you're starting to feel bad about yourself. And so when you when you start getting into because you're wanting closeness, right? A secure person, when an anxious and a secure person come together, that the secure person can have compassion for the anxious one and say, hey, you know, you're being a little clingy right now and I know you're anxious. What do you need? I can be there for you. There's nothing wrong with you. I know that, you know, you're you're struggling with anxiety. They can be, a secure person can be there generally for an anxious attachment style, right? So that's why it's good for an anxious person to be with someone who is more securely attached. Um, and so in, in the dating process, the how you feel with people is the most, for an anxious one, is is the most important indicator and, and really making quick decisions. And when you start to feel like somebody's ghosting you or putting things on you, you can be pretty sure that there's somebody with an avoidant attachment style and they're not really good for you. If, if you're somebody who is avoidant but wants to... Um, have closeness you'll really have to work on communicating and allowing the other person um you'll have to learn to allow the other person that they want that closeness and you have to learn to really be tuned into yourself and start feeling when you start feeling claustrophobic so that you don't have to start creating fights that you can maybe just preemptively say you know i'm i know that i have this avoidant detachment style and i get very claustrophobic feeling like when things get too close so maybe in the beginning let's just spend you know every other day together so prevent you know preventatively um because over time if you get used to more connection the the part of you that's not feeling safe with connection is going to come down so that that's this applies more to obviously people that are in new relationships or dating or or just getting ready to in a be in a relationship if you are currently in a relationship you're probably either on a roller coaster if you've been longer in a relationship or kind of more like roommates depending on what's going on if it's you know if you're not too new and in both scenarios the, the bonding-based lovemaking that we're going to talk about hopefully helps tremendously in shifting the the attachment styles or you into the, the two of you, no matter what attachment styles you are, into attaching securely to each other. And I, and I think a big part of that is the willingness to communicate. And yes. I, I think going back and doing one of those tests 
will look I, I don't think any test is going to tell you everything that you need to know about yourself especially yeah. from the internet but it gives you kind of a baseline right it gives you a, a framework to start understanding what may be true and i'll say this if you pop on the internet and you go do one of these tests be fucking honest don't try to like game the test right because it's the <laughs> yeah. truth right and people will yeah. lie to themselves on the test I'm like why are you doing that it's not going to help you yeah. so be honest on the test because you'll discover something and then you know, before we shift because i do want to go into the the bonding intimacy conversation but i think that there is this place where i before you can get there and this is why we're having the conversation obviously but i think that before you can get there you've got to be able to understand how to like navigate when you're triggering each other right when like you're getting in this place of like volatility because it's inevitable like i don't care what kind of attachment style you're in it's gonna happen like that's just the human nature and if it's not happening then you're probably really in trouble if you're never arguing or having conflict as i had learned in my younger days um so i'm curious like how do you as we're in this so we're like okay we're working on attachment styles we're understanding we're trying to create space we're growing but we're triggering each other still we're, we're at each other's throats sometime like how do you navigate that in these relationships Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show, but I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. Yeah, so I think I'll go back to my story because um, that was kind of me and struggling, you know, really struggling hard like six, seven years ago and being in a relationship that I thought was my soulmate and feeling so close. And then we had would have these explosions and it was just heart wrenching. And I hadn't hadn't come across the attachment style stuff yet, um, but I did come across something else. And that something else is the, the main book on bonding based lovemaking. And in that book. The, the woman's story, the woman who wrote the book, her story was so similar to mine. Relationships would start out great. She had no problems attracting guys and really falling in love and feeling like, oh, this is the one. And then within a few months or maybe a year or two, things would just totally go south. And she was just not willing to accept that that was just the way human relationships were. And so she started looking into ancient texts and neuroscience and basically discovered that we too we have and and um i'm i am going into the bonding based lovemaking because um we it has to do with our nervous system and um with our survival programs and with our ability to not get triggered so you know i always i i never thought that i could be in a place where nothing faces me or nothing triggers me anymore and um living now and being the what I know now, um, it is actually possible and it has to do with our biochemistry and neurochemistry. And um, so what, what Marnia discovered is that we have two programs for lovemaking. One, the one that we know, which is based on procreation, um, orgasm, and kind of biologically really for us to, or for the species to survive. So biologically we're programmed to not stay together biologically we're programmed to essentially either get tired of each other or argue so that we move on <laughs> um and we don't know this right we don't know that we have these two programs so we're just kind of staying stuck either 
being on the roller coaster and getting tired of it or getting tired of the roller coaster but not tired of each other and just letting sex life go out the window and become like roommates well the beautiful thing is there is this other um this other set of hormones that we can help our brain switch into and when we do that we become actually very very stable and lighthearted and hear things very differently <laughs> than when we're in this other paradigm so i don't know if this is completely answering questions but um in my experience there is actually a way to live with each other where you don't fight or argue anymore because you're just in too good of a mood basically all the time <laughs> okay so yeah no notice the hesitancy in my voice <laughs> you get there then right exactly it, people are going to be like i'm done listening to this so why don't we <laughs> dive into this and uh, create some some deep context and understanding yeah. of how we get there Yes, and it really has to do with our brain chemistry. So, and this might be shocking, and it was shocking for me. And the only reason why I didn't hang up, you know, at this point in my life was I was desperate. I really, really wanted to find a solution. I was very much a proponent of awesome, free, you know, I had finally healed myself. I was finally enjoying sex sober. I finally felt inhibited, and I was finally just, you know, having orgasms. And, you know, just it was just awesome. Everything was awesome, and I felt really liberated. And then... Then this book came along, which said, well, maybe, you know, the problem why you're having these outbursts with each other aren't your past traumas, it's actually your sex life. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. My whole brand at that point was based around like women's empowerment and living freely sexually and enjoying your sexuality, you know. So, um, so. But Marnia basically discovered, well, what she she didn't discover it, but she collected the science for is that when we have an orgasm. It is the same in our brain, the same neurochemical stuff happens as if we snorted cocaine or um, injected heroin. Yeah, not surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the cheapest and most natural way for us to get a massive high, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, think about how many times in your life you had sex with someone and then you're like, I feel high right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not love, you know, it has nothing to do with it. I mean, you think it is, you know, for a moment. And it would make sense, you know, if if you think from like a biolo biology and na nature standpoint, it would make sense that nature made sure that we do this, right? By putting some super um, rewarding biochemicals or neurochemicals in our bloodstreams when we do it, right? Um, our brain is just not set up for having that all the time. And I personally believe that the early human knew this and they knew to only have sex with orgasm when they really wanted to make a baby and enjoy it and it was something special and then the other times they knew how to make love in this other way and this is where you know where most people like get very confused and don't understand it and it is hard to understand yes like your the idea is that orgasm is not good because it has, makes this explosion makes this explosion in our head and at the same time um, if you've ever done drugs, you know, you know that after the high comes the low and it comes bad, you know. So, yes, we're going to say no to to that. But what we're saying yes to is a different kind of high and a different uh, chemical mix that over time makes it so that, the, you know, the moment that you have the, the moment of closeness or euphoria that you have when you have an orgasm, you can actually have something similar um, with your partner all the time. You know, it takes a little while for your brain to get there, 
But because as human beings, we are set up to bond, we also get, get a chemical reward for bonding. So we get a chemical reward for procreating, which is a very strong, like, you know, fireworks kind of reward. And we do get a much subtler, but much more stable and, and, and all around better feeling and much more lasting and sustainable kind of reward from oxytocin. So, so orgasm is connected to dopamine, dopamine and the bonding is connected to oxytocin. So um, over time, just like with any addiction, you know, when you're getting off something hard that's been stimulating your brain hard, um, the, and, and something normal will feel very boring for a little while. But once you've made it through that time and it doesn't have to take very long, then all of a sudden the healthy things, you know, start feeling good. I've, I don't know if you've ever gone you know, like from fast food to he eating healthy or anything like that. It's, it's kind of the same thing, really. So for clarity, because... I still don't think I've put the pin in the board on this. Yes. What, how does this actually happen? You mean um, the, the bonding or the good yeah, so, feelings? Or? Yeah, yeah. So what is, what is the actual process? If a couple is having a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's moved into this place where they're starting to grow, they're getting comfortable, it feels normal, and then that, that huge hit is happening, but then they resistance shows up all that like how do you move into this state of bonding that you're talking about like i like what is the actual process of creating that bond with a partner mm -hmm. yeah so i mean first of all i think it's just getting the education and knowing that this is what's happening with your brain and then um kind of making a decision or at least figuring out for yourself if you know if what i'm sharing makes sense if it makes sense to try what you will feel like when you don't have an orgasm. And it's not about having sex with not orgasm. It's about having sex and making love in just a very different way where you don't trigger the urge that you want to all of a sudden, like, I want to go now, you know? So there is bonding cues that are built into our biology and psychology that when we practice these, which is with each other, um, they create they create a bond. So it's a very, very much like, a physical practice that you have to do together and not just once it's almost like you're building a muscle together when you skip a couple days you go back you know and you have to rebuild the muscle um and you get more sore because you didn't do it consistently in a sense so um so in our life what it looks like is that in the mornings we wake up and um we practice the bonding bonding cues in the evenings before we go back we before we go back, before we go to bed we have time set aside to to practice or do these bonding cues and they're like kissing, eye gazing, breathing together, uh, pretty much everything that you would think is um, kind of traditional foreplay with the exception that generally when we have traditional foreplay, we do it to turn each other on. So it's not um, what makes the oxytocin flow and what makes the bonding work is generous, affectionate, comforting touch. So it's not so much about like how you, where you touch and what you touch. It's more about where you come from when you're touching because our the amygdala, that's kind of like the, the protector in our nervous system that tells us if something's safe or not, can read energy and is very tuned into what's coming at us. And if the amygdala feels like, oh, somebody's just touching us because they want something from us, it will stop bonding because, you know, you don't want to bond with someone who would just want something from you, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then so then especially if you have a an anxious or avoidant attachment style, it probably yeah. makes that connection incredibly difficult. So I just want to reiterate what you're saying to make sure that we have clarity here. So so this sounds to me like a, a big way of creating and and stepping into these bonding cues are our touch, eye gazing, probably things like hand holding, being close to each other. It's not always about like actual sex. It's about all of the things my brain when you were saying that i went to okay yeah when you're like 14 and you have a crush on somebody yeah, exactly do those sweet things is that does that exactly. feel congruent yes uh-huh yeah yeah it's it brings you back to your innocence in a sense and it's 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 just um super refreshing and but it also makes it so that your bodies will get turned on naturally without having to use any other stimulation you know like the idea is to stay away from any kind of physical stimulation so you're not doing oral sex or you know rubbing genitals to try to get them turned on like the 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 idea is to really be together in a way where your bodies naturally start just wanting to have sex and then and that's when when you do have sex also you know it doesn't always come to that point but it often it does and then that's fine too yeah and so you're not necessarily saying like don't have sex for two years what you're saying oh is- no okay <laughs> We have sex, you know, we have sex almost every day. Yeah. So you're saying that that place and it's there, it's, it's more about the experience of, and and I almost hear the word patience in this and like creating Mm -hmm. that thing together, as opposed Mm -hmm. to just kind of jumping in because you create the longevity of the connection and the relationship. Exactly. One picture I give people is imagine like you're creating this extra little being with your energy, with the two of you. Right. So at first it's like a little little bird's egg and you need to put a lot of energy you need to put a lot of attention and you need to do these practices that's how you put the the energy but this egg keeps growing and growing and growing and over time if you keep feeding it to the practices it becomes a bubble and then you're enveloped in it and it carries you and it protects you and that's what makes you feel so safe and so securely attached with each other and really in tune like that's part of the pleasure is that you become super in tune your skin becomes super um um just i don't even know how to describe it but like when when tim touches me now it's 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 almost like eating a dessert or something you know where it just that that in itself becomes very satisfying things that normally wouldn't be satisfying you know because our brains are not used to it started to become very very satisfying and so I, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this question, but it, it came up as you were saying that is how is it how do you balance creating this level and intensity, which is the word I think that applies here really well, this level and intensity of a bond without stepping into codependency in the same way that one would like a drug addiction? Yeah. So because you really part of the part of learning this is learning to feel when your dopamine kicks in and and learning where you have to stop and relax more so that it doesn't. Right. The the dopamine is the addictive thing. Oxytocin like and also there is a myth around codependency where it is really good to be healthily attached. And with the oxytocin connected connection, it's a healthy attachment. Like we don't have to be afraid of being codependent it's very normal for two people to be uh, in unison and in love and and that is not codependence right so um as you practice this or as i have been practicing this i got to get my i got to get to you know experience my brain and my addictive qualities and 
And so when I fall back into like wanting to have orgasms and into the dopamine, um, I start feeling really tired. I start feeling really drained. There is a price to pay. And once you've experienced how you feel in your everyday life, when you have these other things, you know, because you create this secure attachment, um, you also feel free and confident to do things in the world that somebody who was codependent never would do. You know, it's 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 a it's an interesting um, dichotomy maybe where you know you're like so close and because you are you have the secure base in your life now you can fly in other areas of your life you know where you normally wouldn't. Yeah, and and that makes a lot of sense because I think for me and in, in real time having this conversation with you, I'm thinking to myself reframe the thought process of chasing the dragon, i.e. dopamine, to chasing mm -hmm. the connection, right? Mm -hmm. And building mm -hmm. oxytocin, which actually makes a ton of sense. And and for people who grew up, like oxytocin can be this really scary experience because especially if you're unused to that level of connection and that level of bond, it makes you actually want to go further away, right? Until you recognize that it's actually okay and it's safe. Let's say that on one side of the conversation, because I know so many people listening to this are probably identifying themselves as, you know, avoidant or anxious, mm -hmm. and and maybe yeah. they do have a, a a partner who is secured, or maybe that's absolutely the direction that they want to move into, and they're they're scared to even have this conversation, right? They're like, well, I want to maybe change the way we have sex, how we build intimacy, how we connect, foreplay, the conversations we have, the whole nine, and they're just they don't know where to start. Like, yeah. where's the baseline for like moving this direction? I would say like reading Marnia's book, you know, because it it is really like she spent 16 years exploring with this, trying it with different guys that said they were into it and then they didn't stick to it. And then finding her husband and this resonating with him and then practicing with him and then finally figuring it out and bringing so much science. He was a high school biology teacher, so he brought a lot of neuroscience. He had a he had a um a forum on helping men get off porn addiction. So together they really put together 300 pages of just science and because when you're trying to do something that's so out of the box what Marnia and I both have found is like the more you can have your logical mind convinced that this is really something good, <laughs> you know, because when you're in the heat of the moment and you're really sexually attracted to each other, it's going to be hard sometimes to stop yourself, you know, from going further. And so the more educated you can be at first, I think that, I mean, in my experience, that's really step one. That's where I start with my clients. You know, I make them read the book and then I help them implement these things. And then, then there's things that you can do through, for example, like the family constellation, if you're really hitting up against your attachment styles and, um, where you're always falling asleep when it comes to connecting, you know, like that's one mechanism of how, you know, how some people protect themselves from connecting. They're just too tired to do to the bonding behaviors. They just literally, they can't do anything. It's like at the moment they sit down to do these practices or lay down, it's like a sleeping pill hit them, right? That's when you can get help from somebody that does family constellations or something like that, really helping you with your subconsciousness. Um, and it's a healing journey, you know, but the beautiful thing is you're on it with your partner. And um, it puts the power back into your hand of repairing, repairing something, you know, that was sort of, you know, broken in your childhood, basically, and, and you can do it together. Yeah, I think that, and, and I'll, I'll reference my experience here, especially in my late teens and my early 20s, um, sex was a coping mechanism, 
right? Now, yeah. I obviously mm-hmm. recognize that now very far removed away from it. And I have found the have an immense willingness to, in dating or relationships, forego that experience and recognizing the impact of the exchange of energy and oftentimes having to sit in it and go, wait a second, what is actually happening here? Is it because I really want this person or is it because I'm like chasing this orgasm? And I think that Mm -hmm. one of the things that a lot of people experience, especially in a culture that is so sex positive, which I'm all yeah. about, is this idea that it's okay to just have sex all the time with all these people. But yeah. I found that that did not serve me in any fucking capacity. No. And so I'm really curious, what are your thoughts about that when we live in such a sex positive culture, when you understand the neurobiology responses to those experiences? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm hoping that more and and also I do see this that the, the you know there's a whole um, group of younger spiritual people that are really looking for something else, and so it's just education, 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 and letting people know that there's something different. Because when I talk to men or women, it's usually not the sex; it's really the connection, and we just don't know how to create the connection. And for me, um, you know, I believe that. Most people get married because they want something sacred. They want something special. They think that that's created by saying yes on that one day, and it isn't. You know, and so the the bonding based lovemaking is a practice that is that gives you the daily tool to actually have the sacred sacred union that most people really, you know, if they could just choose, if they could just go to a catalog and say, hey, this is what I want. Most people would want the special something with somebody. You know, I I I believe. And and do you think that, you know, again, just thinking about it, do you think it's actually detrimental to have lots of sex with lots of partners? Like just from a trauma-based perspective, because I'm just like layering my experience here. You know, the the more that I did that and the more that I put myself in those situations, the further removed I felt from myself and the the less I felt like I was able to create a secure bond. Like, th- does that feel like that syncs up with what you understand and the yeah. research? Yeah. And I mean, there is no judgment, you know, because if you're somebody who's had a lot of trauma and you're finally in a place where you're enjoying sex and you are having experiences and it's part of your healing and learning curve, you know, I had to go through a phase where I was totally free and just allowing myself and not judging myself uh, to come back to like, yeah, but it's really not like something's still missing you know so even when we make these mistakes or things I think they help us in coming to a place where we're like you know it it took a while for me to come to a place where I was single and basically saying okay I am going to date with this I don't care how the guys react I'm not going to cater to them anymore because my experience would be you know I would start dating I would introduce this but I would have regular sex with them in the beginning even though I already knew better and I knew where it's going to end and they were like oh yeah this sounds nice but let's just you know let's just get to know each other and then if we know if we really want to be together then switch over to this other thing and then we would never be together long enough you know so 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 I had to come to it and it's difficult you know as a woman you're like on going on dates and saying hey by the way if you're really considering dating me, like read this book first because, you know, I come with this. <laughs> and, but I had to have the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I had to have these other more painful experiences before I had a, a, a clear boundary in myself where this was a requirement, you know, yeah. where I wasn't yeah, willing I, to go the other way anymore. Same. I mean, that's that's why I was like leaning into that, because it was like at some point I, I realized like the the 
the lack of dopamine from the experiences left me feeling so empty, right? And I realized I was just chasing something that was unfulfilling. Again, I I, I really liken it to to drugs. So thank you for sharing that. And and I think it's really powerful. And and I think you should have the freedom. Go explore. Go try the shit you want yeah. to try. Figure it out because you're not going to fucking know otherwise. Like you're never going to know if you don't do it. Um, but but do it in a way where you're the one in control. And I think that's ultimately the thing. Like, are you in control or are your hormones in control? And like I think that's yeah. a really interesting parlay to have with yourself. Um and and you know Please. Just as a last thing, as if you're single, like you you can't do this if you're single. So if you're sing, you know, when while I was single, I would just give myself permission to have sexual experiences here and there because it's too hard not to have the oxytocin and not to have regular sex. So this really only works when you do have a partner that you want to bond with, where you can have the regular exchanges so that you're actually replacing one thing with another, you know. And, and that yeah. makes so much sense. Um, this has been a really incredible conversation. I feel like we're just getting into the crux <laughs> of this, um, though, for time. Can you tell everyone where they can find out more about you and what you do? Yeah, it's very easy. It's my website, my name, Carolyn, C-A-R-O-L-I-N, Hauser, H-A-U-S-E-R.com. I have a free training on the website for everybody that goes a little bit more into depth into what you can do to make love last and or bring it back if you're in a roommate situation. Yeah. It's really the best way to connect with me and get in touch. Brilliant. And of course, we'll put the link in the show notes for the audience. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Uh, to me, to me personally, it means living the life that I have now. And I, I really owe it to the family constellation and the bonding lovemaking where um, I'm free to be myself. You know, I'm not getting triggered most of the time anymore. I can have a peaceful, loving um connected playful relationship that's lasting and to me that's to me from where, where i was before is a sign that i'm unbroken you know i've 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 healed yeah Brilliantly. and it's available for everybody i totally yeah. agree thank you so much for being here unbroken nation thank you so much for listening please like subscribe comment share tell a friend and until next time my friends be unbroken i'll see ya We'll be right back to the show, my friend, but I wanted to let you know about our brand new podcast community for Think Unbroken Podcast. I know that for so many trauma survivors like myself, for the longest time, I felt alone, like nobody got it, nobody understood, and that I was just going to have to figure this out on my own. But that's not true. And the reason why we created our brand new Think Unbroken Academy podcast community is so that we can bring all the members of the Unbroken Nation together in a place where we can learn, grow, heal, change, and transform our trauma into triumph. I would love to have you come and be a part of the brand new community. Just check out thinkunbrokenacademy.com or click the link in the podcast description. And I cannot wait to see you there, my friend. Again, just head over to thinkunbrokenacademy.com. And until then, be unbroken. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at 
think unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.